We're starting a new series of lessons called This Is The Church. Come on, can you say that with me? This is the church. What I love about church and about our church is that our church just does what really we see in the Bible. It really reflects who the culture was. And I see so many different ages and so many different races and, and nationalities and ethnicities. Man, it just seems like that's just like what heaven's all about. So I'm encouraged if you don't know what our church is all about, we're a multiracial, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church. We love Jesus. We love the Bible. We love the Holy Spirit. We love the power of God. We love everything from the book of Genesis to the maps at the end of, of the Bible. Come on. We just love the Bible. We believe the Bible will change your life if you'll get in it and get connected with some other people it's going to change you in every area of your life can somebody up in the house say amen but for the next several weeks we just want to talk about this series about that this is the church and and maybe some of you have been you know raised and kind of coming from a, a thought and a, and a mindset of of the church is a is a tradition the church is a organization the church is is rigid the church is is not fun uh, the church is stoic the church is old you know forgive me but you know like when I was growing up I used to think the church was for all the blue-haired old ladies come on somebody uh, you know the church is just for people on the way out that have been in for a long time but but the church really when we know what the Bible says is that the church is a force the church is powerful the church is the, the, the church is supposed to be continually moving forward and taking territory for Jesus Christ because that's what we see in the book of Acts. We, we see where Jesus came and he, he, he incorporated, he, he will talk about today, he really started this thing called the church and it's not supposed to be just kind of something we, we wonder about. Should I be involved in it? Should I go? Should I be a part? Should I give? Should I serve? Should I get connected? And listen, just like any relationship, everybody's seen good good, bad, ugly, everybody's been hurt by relationships and everybody's been blessed by relationships. And so the same thing is, it happens in a local church where there's things that you go, man, I, I, I'm getting like iron is sharpening off me and yet I'm being planted and I'm growing and, and God wants to do all that in and through your life and that really happens in and through this thing that Jesus talks about called the church. And so let me encourage you, you know, if, if you're connected here, you are showing up on a Sunday morning, got up early, coming, you know, at 930. And so I, I think that a lot of you are already in. But if you're kind of wondering, let me just encourage you. What we talk about regularly around here is just taking a next step and just 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 getting a little bit closer and finding out who God is, who Jesus is, who the Holy Spirit is, what the Word of God will do in your life. And just keep moving forward to find out what this thing about the church is all about because I believe God is going to set your feet on fire and he's got something amazing for you to do and it's going to happen by you understanding and cooperating with this thing that Jesus loves which is called the church so come on poke your neighbor and just say the church come on the church Matthew chapter 16 let's start there we're gonna look at three main scriptures today Matthew chapter 16 we'll go over to Revelation 1 in just a minute then we'll, fi we'll finish up in Ephesians chapter 5 for, for just a couple seconds here this morning. Matthew chapter 16, come on, it's just parachute in the middle of a story or in the middle of a discussion where Jesus is talking to his disciples. Look what it says. Matthew 16, verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some, of, some people say you're John the Baptist. Other people say you're Elijah. Others say you're Jeremiah the prophet or one of the other prophets. 
Then he said to them, but who, who do you say that I am? Just stop right here. You know, you know, let me just tell you this, is that it doesn't matter what anybody else says about Jesus. Who, who do you call him? Who do you say he is? Mom says he's Savior, but who, who do you as a son or a daughter say? Who is he to you? What you call him, he will be. Is he your provider? Is he your healer? Is he your deliverer? Is he your sanctifier? Is he your redeemer? Is he your forgiver? Uh, who do you say, Jesus says, that I am? Simon Peter, verse 16, says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I say to you that you're Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, that whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Notice what Jesus says here. He tells us, and he says, Jesus said, I will build my church. Uh, right off the bat, we find out that when this is the very first time that the word church is ever mentioned in the Bible. And the very first person that mentioned the word church is the person, God in the flesh, Jesus Christ. So when we see a word that anyone, you know, talks about in the Bible, the law of first reference, law of first mention, it'll carry importance. We should kind of key in what is it saying and then the, the parameters of why it's saying what it's saying and, and so that we can understand what is Jesus really trying to get across where they just simply say, you know, who, who, who am I? He says, who am I? And, and Peter lists a bunch of different things. The disciples list a bunch of different things. And Peter says, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And, and Jesus says, man, you didn't get this by natural means, flesh and blood, but my Father revealed this to you. And on this rock, he says, I'm going to build my church, my church, first mention ever. And the gates of Hades or hell or the forces of hell, the forces of the infernal region is what it says in one translation, shall not overcome or overpower your life. So this thing called the church has got to be very powerful, very special. We need to understand what it's about. We need to understand how we get connected. Because I don't know about you, but if Jesus said, I'm going to give you power over the gates of hell, nothing can you know, change your life, nothing can dominate your life, I want to know how I can get the church working in me or get me connected to it. Come on, anybody like that in the room? Yeah. He said, I will build my church. I will build my church. So we see that Jesus is a builder. He, he's a builder. He's personally involved. He's personally committed. He's personally connected. He's personally interested. He's personally sold out to this thing called the church. I will, will build my church. And what I, what, what I found is, is that, if that if Jesus is building his church, it, it must always be under construction. I will build my church. So it's always under construction. It's like if you've ever had a house, some of you guys, that are ladies that own homes, and over the course of time you buy a house, and some of you have been in a house for a very long time, and what happens in houses is that just houses get old. Rooms get old. Paint gets old. Carpet gets old. Sometimes the air conditioner goes out. You've got to get a new one. Sometimes your, house, your family expands, and so, so, so you put on a room addition. You, sometimes, you know, just through culture and through your family expanding or whatever, you want to 
take out that wall. And, and you know, like when we were in Canada, we had this house and, and literally we had, man, we had six, we had four kids and we, we would try to go into the kitchen and, and the kitchen was just this kind of galley kitchen and we'd all be in the kitchen and you couldn't even hardly move around. Our kitchen was so small. And so we, all, we thought, man, one day we'd like to bust out the wall between the kitchen and the, and the dining area to kind of, but that was just structurally impossible. And, and so you just see kind of like the, the, the analogy that, that Jesus is building his church and he, he's talking about, listen, the church, we'll, we'll talk about in a minute, that the church isn't just, isn't just the building. It's not even the building. that The church is us. And so in your life, listen to me, listen to me, there's always going to be building. There's always going to be carpet getting ripped up from your life. There's always going to be new electrical. There's always going to, listen, the pest control services are going to have to come into your life and get the pests out. Come on. Come on, you're, you're always under construction because Jesus is looking for a glorious church, it says, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. So that's what he has in mind. He wants you to come into your house like, like I don't know, I, I love going to new homes. I, I love new homes. I, I don't have a new home, but I love new homes. And so, you know, I, I just like, when we moved down here, I was mesmerized by San Diego and Chula Vista. The housing market was going crazy. And so y'all have seen, you know, the new developments and, and they got three or four model homes and Kimberly and I would get those little packets and we'd go in and, and it's all tile and, and it's all beautiful and, and all the furniture and you're just going, I want that. Come on, somebody, anybody, I want that because that don't look like my house. Come on, somebody. I want that in my, I want that. And just, man, and so God wants your life. He, he, he wants your life to be a thing of beauty. Come on, everybody. And the church that he's building, he's committed to it being a thing of beauty. And it doesn't make a difference what it looks like right now. Like when we bought our old house in Canada, it was built in 1933 or 1934. It was terrible. It had been rented for five or six years. It was brutal. It was run down. The grass was tall. Everything was overgrown. The roof needed fixing. The, the, heating, the heater was brutal. We froze the first two winters in Canada. No word of a lie. We froze when we were in our house. We had, we had on two or three pairs of socks. We had long johns on. Y'all don't even know what long johns are. Y'all think those were donuts. That's long underwear, man. Come on, we had long johns on. We had two pairs of sweats on. We were freezing up in the house until we had enough money to buy a new heater. But we, saw, we just started working from room to room to room to try to make this thing a glorious house. God is committed to your life being built and our lives being built together. Come on, poke your neighbor and say, let's get building. Come on, let's get building. Man, so the foundations, you know, uh, man, we didn't have, we didn't have, a, I mean, we had plumbing, of course. Come on, that's, we, we lived in a house with plumbing. Uh, but, but we had a, we had a, a septic tank, or a, they call it a cesspit, if you will, on the side of our house. And so, so uh, uh, you know, all of a sudden, one time, the, the toilets got, you know, doing what toilets do, but backed up. And, and they had to come in, and they dug up the whole side of our yard and because the roots of the trees, these huge maple trees, the roots of the trees got in the cesspit and they started causing leakage and damage and blockage and, and the pipes and the, through the course of time, roots got involved in the very foundation of our house. And so there's just stuff that goes on in your life and my life that, 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 I, that we look at and we go, okay, God, what are you doing? And he's telling you and me that, that you individually, but us collectively, 
I am a builder. I will build my church. I will build my people. And if you will submit, if you will surrender, if you will buy into the fact that God is going to build your life, listen to me, there's going to be things where, where, where it looks like it's run down, but you'll come back in a month or a year or six months or whatever, and it's going to be all brand new. It's like, it's like you go away and you say, hey, when I'm going away, I want the electricians to come in. I want the carpet guys to come in. I want the contractor to come in. I want the new window guy to come in. I want the roofer to come in. Fix this house. And you go away on vacation. You come back in six weeks and go, it's a brand new house. Come on, everybody. That's what he wants to do in your life. That's what he wants to do at Spectrum Church. Come on, everybody. That'd be a good place to clap. God's not done. Come on, God's not done with you. He's not done with us. How many of y'all believe the best days are days ahead? Come on, everybody. Man, I believe the best days are days ahead. I see the book of Acts. I see what God's doing. And I just go, man, do it again, oh God. Just do, just do it again. Just do it again. The word church was used in classical Greek language. You know, the time that the Bible was written, it was a, it was a governmental term. A governmental term is where it really kind of came from. And so that should just kind of tell us that, that incorporated in this thing called the church, that God is expecting you and I to rule, to reign, to have dominion, not, not to be dominated, not to be ruled over and reigned over. And I'm not talking about by government, but, but by this pseudo ruler of the world who is called the devil. We know that after Adam and Eve sinned, we know that now this sway happened from God to the enemy and that the Bible says that this whole earth is under, is under the curse. Even though you're redeemed, even though you made Jesus the Lord of your life, even though Jesus is committed to building the church, we are living in a fallen world. This world has fallen. Creation, Romans 8 says, is groaning for the children of God, the people of God, you and me, to be redeemed so that creation could be redeemed. It's amazing when you think about what God has done and wants to do when you're in my life and this thing called the church. So, so, so in, 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 this, in this organization, this spiritual organization, Jesus has spiritual governmental authority of the earth and now he has given it to the church. He said, I have the gates or he says, I have the, the keys. I have the keys of heaven and I'm giving them to the church where now the gates of hell can no longer prevail against you. It might look like it's wind. It might look like darkness is coming. But I've given you a tactic to overcome all the tactics of the enemy and whatever comes against you. Come on, greater is he that's in you than he that's coming against you. I've given you power to dominate, to rule, to reign. That takes us back to the Genesis principle of what God did, what God did with man. So the minute you know that, that the minute that I get connected in Christ, I become a child of God, I get understanding that I'm in this thing called the church. I'm just not out here all by myself. I, I, I can't win battles just solely by myself. I, I need to get connected with some people that are going to strengthen me. I need to get connected with this thing called the church. I, I think our life is going to change. And hopefully I'm, I'm helping you do that because that's what I want to do. Uh, the word church is a great word. It means the called out and the assembled. Can you say that with me? The church means the called out and the assembled. Look on the screen real quick. The, the church are those called out of the world and darkness and then connected together as a body. That's what the word means. That's what the word means. The church, we're, we're called out of darkness, we're called out of the world, we're called out of sin, we're called out of shame, we're called out of guilt, 
We're, we're called out that we're away from God, and, and we receive. We, we heard the Father's call. The Holy Spirit's touched us. We say, I'm broken. I need a Savior. He says, I'm here. My love is never going to leave you. I'm here. I've got a remedy for you. I've got a sacrifice for you. His name is Jesus. He calls us out, and then he, then he connects us. He connects us in a body. He just doesn't call us out to be solo rangers. He connects us connects us in a body. So one different translation, or, or excuse me, one different definition, or con the continued definition of the word church, is it means that people are coming together in a particular place for a particular purpose. So, so we, we, we're, we're called together. We're, we're called out. And, 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 and I know that, man, we're living a time and age, and, and, and it's, it's swaying this way, uh, that, of course, through technology, as we all have phones and smartphones, and we go on YouTube, and we Google, and we do all kinds of streaming, that, that the church is, is moving towards digital media, if you will. And we know a lot of friends, and, and, we've, you know, and I, I'm down with it. We've got campuses all, and we don't, but friends that got campuses all over, and they have a, a main broadcast church, and they've got campuses in different parts of a city right here in Chula Vista. Uh, where, where, where different churches are broadcasting the message through that media, which is amazing, which is cool. And it seems that that is the way society is going and that the way culture is going. But let me just encourage you, even as cool as that is, there's got to be, I believe, connection that we come out of our house and we get together. I, I'm just telling you, I just really believe it. I think, I think the, the sway is that way that we see right now. The statistics are saying more and more people are viewing stuff online and, 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 and not coming to a brick-and-mortar building anymore. The statistics are, are leaning that way more and more every year. But, but I think what happens is that with anything, it sways, and then the, that it will sway back. So it's not, it's not either or. I believe it's both and. So we're going to be having cameras, and we're going to be video, and we're going to have stuff online. We do stuff on podcasts. But we want to use every means possible to reach all kinds of people, guys. Amen? But still, there's just something about when you get in the room with somebody and smell their breath. Come on, everybody. Eyeball to eyeball, knee to knee, working together, doing what God's called you to do, that you're going to see God, I believe, work in a real powerful way. The church, the church is God's plan for all believers for all time. I, I believe it. it, it it's, uh, listen, I, I was saved because of the church. I was delivered from drugs and alcohol and crazy stuff because of the church. I learned the word of God in the church. Come on. I learned what God wanted me to do with my life in the church. I got called by God Almighty to do what I've been doing for 34 years because of the church. Come on. The church is important, everybody. Come on. The church. Come on. The church is important. Jesus died for the church. He died for the church. After this reference here in Matthew chapter 16, the word church is used 120 times in the Bible. It's important. Again, the word originally meant a group of people not called out of their homes, check it out, but summoned out of their homes to come together and meet with God. That, that's the context of the word, that you have been summoned by God. Uh, we've said this before in, in years gone by, but, but, but if, you, if you're home today and all of a sudden you get a knock at the door by the San Diego Sheriff's Department and they hand you an envelope and it's a summons. It's a summons. You've got no choice to go to court. You have been summoned. If you don't act on the summons, you go to jail. 
That's, how, that's the seriousness of this word. And so he says what, what, he's, what, what, what the, the definition of the church is supposed to be is that I have really no choice. I, I, need to, I need to find a church. I need to be in a church. I need to get connected in a church and just kind of move all my chips in and just, just be all there. Just like who would ever want to be in a relationship with a man or a woman, or, you know, somebody else. And, and, and there was always something distant. You weren't all in. There was always something that you were holding back. That, that's not a good relationship. And so the relationship that God wants you to have with him and he wants to have with you is that he's moved all his chips into your life by the person of Jesus Christ dying for you and he wants to now take you to take all your chips all your gifts all your talents all your ability everything he's made you to be and just push it all into the local church so that the church can be everything the church is called to be can you say amen up in here now what's interesting about this word too I'm just kind of breaking this thing down for you we'll get something just a minute uh, but, but this word church, it means that it was actually, uh, in, in the Greek and the Hebrew, that it wasn't exclusive, it, it was inclusive. It wasn't exclusive, it wasn't inclusive. Simply meaning, every person is welcome to be a part of the church who just simply makes Jesus Christ the Lord of their life. Let me just say, everybody who comes to our church right now doesn't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That's why we always give an altar call. We always give somebody an opportunity to respond to Jesus. And there's people that come to church for a long time and never respond. There's people that come to Spectrum, they come check us out, and they check out, and they never make a decision to follow Jesus Christ. We're a, we're a church that's open to everybody, saved and unsaved. Come on, those that are seeking and those that are knowing. But listen, the church wasn't exclusive. The church wasn't like, well, you haven't got enough money, so you can't come. Or you're the wrong color, so you can't come. Or we don't like you. You got issues because you can't come. Listen, the church is inclusive of every single person because Jesus wants his house full. Can you say amen, everybody? That was like a really weak golf clap right there, but that's okay. Everybody's welcome. Check it out, the screen. The church is a body of people, not so much assembling because they have chosen to come together, but assembling because God has called them to himself. Well, what's amazing that I, you know, I get a chance maybe to, that some of you all don't, and some of you all get maybe a chance to, to, to know some people and stuff that I don't know as personally, but I'm just amazed at the stories of how people came to church. I'm just always amazed, you know. It's, it's like I uh, talked to somebody the other day, and like, oh, yeah, we just came down the highway, and we saw Spectrum Church, saw the blue sign. Oh, I thought we'd come, and they've been here ever since. Oh, you know, somebody said, uh, I started coming to uh, a friend. In fact, we got, a, we got a husband and wife in the church, and, and this guy in the church, he was real good friends with like four girls in, in high school. And so through that relationship of, of, of one of his friends in high school, he actually started talking to the mom. The mom comes to church. Then the mom actually invited her friend who's been coming to church. And then the mom actually invited the son and the daughter-in-law and their five kids, and they've been coming to church. Come on. It's just amazing at what God does and how God builds the church. Come on. On, everybody so 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 it's just supernatural how did how did it happen it's, it's it's just God starts being God and God summons people and calls people and and, and through need and through I, I don't know what to do or I'm searching I'm hungry and and God just brings people to this supernatural organization come on called called the local church so a lot of people just say church is no big deal I don't need church I can stay home listen Jesus loves the church so if he loves the church and he died for the church then I've got to say I love the church and I'll give my life for the church give my life for the church give my life for family there are no perfect churches I hope you realize that because there's no perfect believers just no perfect churches Got all kinds of stuff, got issues, got stuff we want to do better, got stuff we don't do right. 
Boy, I'm committed to relationship. I'm just committed to relationship. I'm committed to God working in me and working in you and God just doing what he's called us all to do. Amen, everybody? Revelation 1, real quick. Look at this, Revelation chapter 1, last book of the Bible. Revelation chapter 1, John is exiled on the, uh, the Apostle John on the Isle of Patmos. They've tried to kill this guy. They can't kill this guy. Church historians say that they've tried to boil him in oil and water, and, and he ain't dying. I mean, the brother ain't dying. Come on, it's like God's with him in the fire, for real, for real, for real. And, and the brother's not dying, so we don't know what we're going to do. We're going we're to send him to this island called Patmos. And while he's exiled to the island called Patmos, he gets the vision of the Lord Jesus Christ. The book of Revelation. So you might today, come on, as a side thought, you might think nobody loves me. I'm out here. I'm all forgotten. How many know Jesus can find you right where you're at? Come on, everybody. Come on, he can find you right where you're at. In your darkness, in your shame, in your hurting, in your frustration, he, he's going to be right there. Check it out what it says. And John, Jesus starts talking to John. He, there's actually seven churches. I think we'll be talking about these again. We talked about them years ago, but I think we should one more time because uh, years have passed. Uh, but here in, in Revelation chapter 1, there's seven churches that Jesus is going to talk to John about that are real churches. And, and what most uh, prophecy preachers and people that are really a whole lot smarter than me think that, that these churches have a lot to do with different uh, um, different times and, and seasons, if you were, in church life. And, and that might be true. I don't know. But I think we can, we can take a whole lot from each of these seven churches and apply them in our life. So hopefully we'll do that in the weeks ahead. But check it out what Jesus says in, in John 1, verse 12. This is John actually saying this. John says, I turned to see a voice that spoke to me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one, look at that capital O, one, like the Son of Man clove the garment down to the feet and girded about with his chest with a golden band. His head and his hair were like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice is a sound of many waters. Verse 16, he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. Come on, somebody say, that's Jesus. Come on, say, that's Jesus, right? Come on, let's, come on. You want to know what Jesus is looking like? Why don't you read that when you go home? Come on. So what we see here is that Jesus is seen in the middle of the seven lampstands. He's seen in the middle of the seven lampstands. The seven lampstands are the seven churches. So John is having this revelation. I saw seven golden lampstands. And the seven golden lampstands we find later on are the seven churches. In his right hand, the scripture says, he's holding the seven pastors. Now, he calls them the seven stars. And we think of stars, Hollywood. We think of actors, actresses, movie. All. Don't think that way. Stars, the pastors the messengers, the leaders of these seven congregations, again, get your thinking right, not to look at me or any other pastor minister as a, quote, star, but as someone in the sky that is to shine, is to shine. That's the inference here. But what we see also is that Jesus was and is walking in the midst of the church. The seven golden lampstands are seven churches. The seven stars are are the seven pastors. And in the middle of it all, Jesus is seen walking in, in the middle of it all. Let me just tell you, 
Every time we gather, right here, right now, I don't see him physically. I don't see him spiritually. I don't have any sense that Jesus is here. But when we gather, he's here. He said he was. He said he was. Listen, he said he was. Right out here in Vive Middle School, your junior high kids, they're gathering in his name. Jesus is walking in the midst of the aisles right here with your kids. Downstairs in the nursery, the two to three-year-olds, the four and five-year-olds, the first through fifth graders downstairs. Jesus right now with his presence and his power is walking in the midst of those kids right now. Drawing their hearts towards them, causing their eyes to open, causing peace to come, causing vision to come, causing they're getting bullied at school. Jesus is helping them right now. Come on, everybody. He's helping them right now. Every time we gather, he gathers because he's committed to this thing called, called, called the church. Whenever we get together, his presence shows up where all things can change. All things can be possible because he just walks in and amongst us. Now, these lampstands, real quick, just look on the screen. I think it's important for us to, to just kind of set the foundation for where we want to go for the next several weeks. These lampstands. Number one about a lampstand is that they give light. A lampstand, by design, gives light. Light, always in the Bible, speaks of truth, that we are to reveal truth, that God will reveal truth to you. So since it speaks of truth, I need to be a person. You need to be a person that stands in the truth and stands for the truth, that we stand against deceit, we stand against error, we stand against shame, we stand against sin, we stand in and for the truth. Lampstands, just do that, reveal light. Now, now the world, listen, the world might have facts, but the world does not have truth. The church has truth. Never hide from truth. Never back down. Never back down to culture and what's going on now. If God says something and he reveals something from his word, let the light of God shine in your heart to get fear or get what you've seen or to get the darkness out of you to say, this is God's will. This is God's word. So I must now stand in it because I am connected to the church. I'm connected to him. And if this is truth, I need to be a part of it. I need to let it shine through me. And I'm going to stand in and for the truth of Jesus Christ. Anybody like that this morning? Yeah. Lampstands also, they were golden, we found out. We read it. They were golden, meaning that they're valuable. They're precious. Now, we're not just talking about a lampstand. We're talking about the lampstand is the church. The church is to show and the church is to be light. And the church is to be considered and seen as valuable, as precious, as, as unusual, as, as rare, if you will. It's not something to just be discarded or I can take it or I can leave it. I can show up. I can't. Uh, the church is special to God. You are special to God. Again, it's not the building. It's not the 2.4 acres we have off of 805. It's not this. It's us that the church, wherever we are located, that he's committed to you. He's committed to us that we to be seen and to see each other as valuable, as precious. It's interesting that when we're going to read it, we'll, we'll look at it in the weeks ahead. Each one of these seven churches, except one, I believe, except one, had trouble in the church that Jesus talked to John about the trouble. 
But it's interesting, even though Jesus talked to John about the trouble in the church, he was still committed to the church. And so you could go in your life and say, well, but you don't know the stuff I've been through. You don't know the pain I've been through. You don't know what's going on in my life. You don't know the stuff that I'm really not real proud about. Jesus is still committed to you because he sees you as valuable. He sees you as precious. He sees you as connected to him. So come on, start seeing yourself that way. Come on, everybody. We see also about a lampstand that to lose the lampstand to lose the lampstand was to lose the ability to bear light or display or show light. And there was a warning that, that Jesus said about churches and said, you know, be careful that I don't take away your lampstand and the ability to bear light. And it's almost like we just see this, that, that really without Jesus, the church has no light. Just, just without Jesus, the church has no light. It, it, it can't see. It can't be seen. Without Jesus. And so, sad to say, there's probably churches this morning across the world. And the last, yesterday, as the world's turned, you know, Monday some places, but Sunday today in North America, that, that, that churches that gathered were just gathering together and really there's no light. It's, it's like the light left a long time ago. There's no honor in Jesus. There's no preaching of the Word of God. There's, there's no signs, wonders, and miracles. There's no changed life. There, there, there's no expectancy. There, there, there's no teaching of the Word of God. It's, it's more like a social club or a social organization. That's not what the church is supposed to be about. We're here to do kingdom business, to see people saved, people healed, people delivered, people on their way to heaven, and to see culture shaken by the power of Almighty God. Can somebody say amen this morning? So without Jesus, the church has no light. That we see that, that no lampstand, or the, meaning the loss of their assignment, the, the, the loss of their influence and in culture in the world, that, that we are to change the way society thinks. Ephesians 5, real quick, come on, real quick. Ephesians 5. For some of you that know uh, this passage, it's talking about the connection between a, a husband and a wife, but, but look what it says here. Reading in verse 23, the husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He's the savior of the body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, the wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her, verse 26, holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself, a glorious church, without spot or wrinkle or any blemish. Instead, she will be holy without fault. Verse 32 says this. This is a great mystery, but it's an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. It's a crazy analogy here that the Apostle Paul, by the Spirit of God, writes to the church at Ephesus. He starts writing about husbands and wives and the mutual submission to one another and how a husband is to care for his wife and honor and how the wife then will respect and defer and how the husband is to speak words of his wife and wash her with the cleansing of the water of the word and how she'll be with hope, beholding without fault and, 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 and blameless. And then he says, I'm not, I'm not talking about a husband and wife, really. I am, but I'm not. I, I am, but I'm not. I'm talking about the way Christ and the church are one. This thing called the body. He's the head. Look on the screen real quick in closing. Lots of information here. This passage is so powerful. Where the head goes, where the head goes, the body goes. It's connected. We follow him. 
you follow him. The Bible never calls you or me the head. The head is Jesus. Where the head goes, the body goes. What the head thinks, the body thinks. Meaning the head Jesus, how, how he thinks, is how I think. How he thinks about church, how he thinks about people, how he thinks about sin, how he thinks about sexuality, how he thinks about reaching compassion and mercy and not judging, how, how he thinks, uh, I think, we think. The mission, the mission of the head becomes the mission of the body because we are co-mission together. His mission is now my mission. I don't have a different mission. Whatever you want to do, head, is what we do. The character of the head, the thinking or the reasoning becomes that of the body. My body has no character. My body does the character of what my head thinks. My reasoning, my, my integrity, my character. So my character, my integrity of the body, of the church body, comes from the head, Jesus Christ. The head and the body are in partnership. We're not divided. We're not disconnected. It's not the head saying, we, we need Jesus, we, we, we need to love, we need to serve. We need, and the body says, no, I don't. I, I don't want to give. I don't want to get involved. I, I've got my own life. No, 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 no. In the church, since he is the head of the church, headship, not only in theory, but in practicality, that he is the head, we are the body. What do you want to do? You want to reach Chula Vista? You want to help people? Then I as the body, that's what I do. So I got to align myself. I got to align my schedule. I got to align my money. I got to align my prayer. I got to align my will. I will do what the head wants me to do. I will. We as the body are to be submitted to the head. We're in submission. We're under his mission. The Apostle Paul, by the Spirit of God, said three things just in closing this, in this passage, and we'll pick up again next week. He said this, that Jesus gave up his life for the church. That speaks to us about sacrificially serving one another. He gave up his life for the church. So if this is what the head did, this is what the body, the church, all of us together, this is what we do. We just sacrifice. So sacrificing is part of what we do. We sacrifice with our serving. I sacrifice as a husband, serving and loving my wife. I sacrifice with my kids. I serve them first before I serve me. I sacrifice. I sacrifice. I sacrifice with one another here in church. I lay my life down. You lay your life down for other people. The second thing we see that the Apostle Paul said was that Jesus made the church holy and clean. He made the church holy and clean. That speaks of consecrated. That speaks of dedicated. That speaks of purified. That this is who we are. That this is how now I live. That he made the church holy and clean. If he made the church holy and clean, that, that's what now I need to work in my lifestyle. If the head's holy and clean, the body is supposed to be holy and clean. 
So I get rid of contaminated influences and thoughts and addictions or lusts or whatever in my life. I just, because I'm connected to the head and I'm, I'm connected to you. And if I've got a virus in my body, it, man, this past week I was riding and I, I got a flat on Thursday down here on Main Street. I sit on my bicycle and so you, you know, I take my tire off and I got a tire lever and, and, and you know, let all the air out of my tire and I go to take the tire off to get the inner tube out and, and my hand slipped. And man, I cut my finger on the spokes and it was just bleeding like a pig. And it just kept bleeding. I'm, and I'm licking it and I'm doing all, I'm just trying to bleed. Uh. And I'm going, man, this little thing, this, this little thing, it's a little puffy. It's, I notice it. And when I put my hand in my pocket, I, don't, I can't put my hand in my pocket right now because it might, it might break it open and start bleeding again. And this little thing is affecting my body, how I think. And God's wanting a body that's just holy and pure and clean. Not perfect, but whenever we mess up, it's like I'm coming to you because if I'm not right and I'm connected, then my not being right might mess up other people in the body. He's looking for a holy body. He's made us holy. He's made us clean. Lastly, it just says there that the Apostle Paul says that Jesus washed the church with his word as a husband that would speak the word of God over his wife and wash her with the cleansing of the word that we speak words of blessing. We speak words of encouragement over others. We don't criticize. We don't damn. We don't curse. We don't belittle one another because we're in this thing called the church and we've been called to love one another and take the word of God and actually wash, wash the stains off one another. Not point them out. We hide them. We hide. And we wash with the word of God. What do you mean? When you're by yourself, you just say, Father, I'm praying for that couple. I'm praying for that kid. I'm praying, I'm praying for them that whatever it is that you know that they're dealing with, we wash one another because we are the church. This is the church of Jesus Christ. Come on, bow your head, close your eyes. Would you do that? Father God, this morning I pray that you just talk to every heart that's in this room that's away from you. Every person in the room that's been frustrated and they've been, they've been criticized or they've been uh, ostracized by someone somewhere concerning this great thing that you started, Jesus called the church. You want to build the church, you're interested in people's lives being changed forever. And so Father God, I pray that every person in the room today that does not know you as Lord and Savior, today would be a day that they just surrender their life to you and welcome you, Jesus Christ, as King of kings and Lord of lords into their life. So right there where your head's bowed, your eyes closed, no one looking around, come on, give everyone the right to privacy. This is a moment for you, whether you've known Jesus and you've walked away or whether you've never known him as Lord and Savior, that today you just say, man, I'm a...